Hey everybody, this week's Following the Fire is one of these episodes that was lost but has been found. We recorded it back in July of 2022, which explains the timing of some things we mention. But don't worry about it, the topic is still sadly very relevant to our times. So enjoy the episode and watch out for that Christian nationalism. And I have been searching... Welcome to Following the Fire, a podcast for Christians who are rethinking their faith and need a safe place to doubt. As we wander through the spiritual wilderness, we want to find and follow God wherever the pillar of fire leads. And just like God's people in the Bible, we get lost, we miss the point, and we don't have all the answers. But maybe that's okay. We're on this journey together. I'm Nathan. And I'm Steve. Even on my And I also completely forgot, you reminded me after we were done recording last time, completely forgot to mention uh, a little shout out to the folks who came to meet the meetup in Edmond, Oklahoma we had at the beginning of July. Following uh, Fire podcast meetup. Yeah I, yeah, I didn't get to go. I'm extremely intrigued because I, I have not heard anything about how it went. And I yeah, it was really great. Was... Uh, it wasn't a massive crowd, maybe a dozen people. Okay. But um, it was a lot of fun. We it was a bit of a support group, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> kind of the support group vibe, you know. Um, we talked about all kinds of stuff, and it was good to meet a couple of people I had not met before. You know, a lot of our listeners I know are people that we know, mm-hmm. uh, or at least the, the early listeners were, and so we met a couple of people I hadn't met before. And it was at Torchy's Tacos, so. We got a photo underneath the the damn good sign. <laughs> but that was fitting. I don't I don't know why. Yeah, it still feels it was uh, a little scary. sacrilegious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do we need to bleep that out? What I just said. I think we we better we better. Gosh, yeah, yeah. I probably should. Anyway, that was great. Um, I would love to do that again next time we're down there. Only because Oklahoma City seems is the one place that I know I'm going to be going because the family's there and where there mm-hmm. seems to be a lot of people who are. Uh, listen to this show. So, and I think we're, I've talked a couple people into joining for like guests, a guest spot for interviews. So look forward to that. All right. I also had a really good time at the pride festival a couple weekends ago um, here in town. It was a really interesting situation. <laughs> Uh, so on Friday, a couple weeks ago, we went and we did like the Pride March right around Old Town, Fort Collins. There's like a few, couple hundred people that did that. I was just like walking around. And I had my free dad hug shirt on. And then on Saturday, me and my family manned the booth at our church's booth at the Pride Festival itself. Since we're like an open and affirming church. And I had, you know, Pride Pride shirt on again, like the the... That free dad hugs and Christy had their free mom hug shirt on. And there were, I, I gave out a lot of hugs and somehow ended up not with COVID. So that's good. <laughs> can you, can you explain? I've, I've heard a little bit just like, can you explain what free dad hugs is? It's basically, um, I, I, there's a, there's officially an organization called free mom hugs. I think it's freemomhugs.org. And it was actually started in Oklahoma city by a gal who, um, I, th- I think her, my sister-in-law knows her pretty well. 
I think she started it because she started realizing how many LGBTQ plus people, not just kids, but just adults too, have been treated so horribly by their parents because of who they are. And so she's just put the shirt on that said free mom hugs and went to like a pride rally or something. And just the number of people who come up to you and just want to hug or like when I was doing it, like uh, there a lot of people who just kind of looked at me from afar, like, do I want to go talk to this guy? Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, you want a hug? <laughs> and one gal, it just broke my heart just about, she's gave her a big hug and she's, she started crying and she's like, that's exactly how my dad used to hug me before I came out. I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. It's heartbreaking. And, um, it was nice to be able to do so it, it. All we were doing is basically saying, you know, somebody loves you. And all these folks need that. I mean, a lot of, we all need that. <laughs> it's not just, uh, you know, gay people, but, uh, but that, that was a really, actually it was a very, um, very meaningful, encouraging experience. So I encourage anybody who is of the mind to do so. Do you feel, do you feel like I feel nervous? uh, Like wearing a shirt like that, I would be really nervous walking around town or like my, I have my like barely rainbow hat that I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll wear out. And there's just a big, um, not in my stomach when I'm out and about, um, because there's yeah. such a big part of me, the like inner critic or inner evangelical in me yeah. is, is so scared of what mm-hmm. people are thinking or like, I want to, I feel like I need to explain myself to people who aren't asking me to explain myself. Do you, <laughs> Do you, like do you have want, any of that? You want a, it's or, like you want an extra sign that, that explains the whole situation. Yeah. It's like, here's how I got here. Here's who I am. Here's who I'm, I'm not, you know, here's what I have questions about, but I, you know, or have you, have you crossed over the, that threshold and, and that doesn't bother you anymore? Well, um, a little bit like we talked in the, in the last episode, how your the location of where you are while wearing that shirt could uh, lead to comfort or fear or not. Sure. And, I wore that shirt actually to the meetup in Oklahoma city. And, uh, I, I was like, I just kind of waiting for some good old boy to chew me out or say something. Nobody did. Uh, and, but one girl, when I was getting, uh, like filling up my water at, we were at, at Torchy's, I was, she came up to, she came up next to me to fill up her Coke. And she, and she whispered to me, she's like, I really like your shirt. <laughs> I'm like, do you need a hug? She's like, not right now. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but like the, the she's she was also being very quiet about it, saying she liked my shirt. So yeah. I'm sure you know. But I've kind of gotten to the point where I I just don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess it's kind of like the question: like, how loud is your inner evangelical still? Right. You know. Uh, yeah, I I do I. It, it's not like. Yeah, I'm still I still notice it, you know. I still notice yeah. the internal monologue going on about whether that's a good idea or what if they're sinning, you're encouraging it. And I'm like ah. just want to show people that they are loved and end of story, you know. 
So anyway, that was that was a lot of fun, but that's kind of what I've been up to. And I'll and we'll Christine and I are going to look for opportunities to do that, to do that more. But you know, anybody you don't have to have a shirt, but uh, anybody can do that kind of thing. So that that kind of brings me to I'm not sure how it brings me to it, but it can, in my mind it makes sense. <laughs> brings me to where I was thinking about talking what I want to talk about tonight. So. Nathan, you've heard of Christian nationalism, haven't you? Yeah, uh, rings a bell. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot up on the inside yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Define Christian nationalism for me. Okay. Well, I would start with a very USA American centric idea. Right. Although I'm sure it, it doesn't have to happen here. But Christian nationalism is where you combine the tenets of your religious faith and what Christianity is with kind of your political national identity. And you don't know you're combining it, but it becomes one mash where you feel as strongly about Moses, the 10 commandments, Jesus, the constitution, and your, your goal is to advance your kind of Christian moralism or Christian faith in in the laws of America to kind mm-hmm. of enshrine Christianity as, as the religion of our country. You also known as a theocracy more or less, right? Yeah. Probably varying degrees of, is there a difference? Oh man. Uh, I, yeah, I think, is there a difference? Probably not. If, if the loudest people got their way, that would probably be theocracy but i think a lot of Mm. maybe the people in the the biggest group of christian nationalism they're kind of it's kind of like one foot in christianity one foot in this kind of patriotism Mm -hmm. and they're fine with how the country was in the 50s that you know they kind of just want the the norms to be you know maybe you can read the bible in a public school as a teacher you don't have to teach kids things that you don't believe in like maybe evolution mm-hmm. um and maybe the it kind of bleeds into your church service as well so um the days when unabashed patriotism was acceptable in a worship service or christianity was acceptable in a patriotic s- setting yeah and, and yeah and i think technically now that i'm now that I after I asked you, I started thinking about it a little bit more. I think theocracy is, tends to be that the church is in charge, right? And like the the king is also the priest, often type of situation. Yeah, I think maybe very loosely. You, if you've listened to Fox News in Fox News in the last couple of decades, you've heard about Sharia law. Mm-hmm. And Sharia law is where you take the laws encoded in the Quran and you just make them the regulate, you know, like that is now the customs or the laws of your area. So I would count that as theocracy. Like who cares who's in charge, but the laws are laws that come from a religious faith. Right. It could also be like the Pope is the king. That's also a theocracy regardless of what the laws and in American nationalism, it's much, it's like soft. It's soft theocracy because there's no one saying make the, well, the consensus isn't, you know, make Leviticus the law of the land. Uh 
Um, the consensus is not saying elect this specific Christian leader to be our new king. Right. Um, it's it's a it's a much softer push to maybe a reaction against Christians who were kind of at the top and didn't feel what it felt like to be maybe like what Mormons kind of have felt in our, in our country, which is that there've been a lot of laws against what Mormons wanted to practice. And they've been pushed from region to region, right? The, the Christians in the U S kind of didn't, at least in recent memory, haven't really felt that feeling. And now as our country is getting more progressive, more, um, you know, less of a melting pot and more of a mixed salad bowl (laughs) where there's all kinds of, national backgrounds there's all kinds of religious backgrounds there's all kinds of varying expressions of faith or lack thereof and that's starting to hit suburbs and even maybe rural areas in ways that are are making a lot of christians nervous so what is we've talked about christian nationalism on the podcast before but for those new people why is it uh, why is it a thing of concern for us? Why do we talk negatively about it? I mean, if you've got God's laws, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Just make those the laws of the land. I mean, what's wrong with that? How 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 is Christian nationalism in America specifically, since that's what we're most aware of? How's it? Why is it a problem? Yeah, that's such a good question because so many people who have made it to Christian nationalism, and maybe they don't identify as Christian nationalist and they don't maybe know they're kind of in that sphere, or maybe they strongly do. And you can tell, cause there's a, you know, a truck driving around with a Christian flag and an American flag, but most people end up in their beliefs for like valid reasons, right? Yeah. Legitimate reasons. And so the idea that uh, maybe here's something you may have grown up with is this is a Christian nation. We live in a Christian nation or uh, we are founded on a nation based on Christian ideals, or even um, what it takes for a nation to succeed is to turn away from evil and recognize God. Yeah. Um, if my and if we do would, that, we'll be, we'll be blessed and successful and we'll be blessed. God will be on our side and, and everybody and every religion in some way or another wants God to be on their side in this war or in this economy or whatever. And it's just such a strong urge. So that leads to what is dangerous about Christian nationalism, which is that Christian nationalism, or let's, if you take the words apart, maybe Christianity didn't exist yet, but the idea that we should protect what is happening to our faith in the realm of politics is as old as Christianity. It's older than Christianity. Right. Jesus's disciples wanted him to do what many Christian nationalists want to do. And that Mm -hmm. is instead of the way of Jesus, uh, which is a sacrificial, a lowering, a um, giving up of power, uh, which is the antithesis of our modern politics. Um, they, They wanted Jesus to be the person who rides in with a sword and takes charge, takes power. Right. And drives out Rome or, you know, makes makes it right. And so uh, today what we've seen is when you when you try to have good ends, which is maybe you want it to, to be free to exercise your faith, 
you want our society to be a moral society. You want our society to recognize things that God thinks is important. Those things are all great ends, but uh, Christianity is one of those faiths that the means, the, the way that you get something to happen really, really matters. Yeah. So uh, this is, I'm, I'm saying this is the long version, but to cut it short, what has happened recently is that Christian nationalism has accepted, has decided that using things like power mm-hmm. is, is worth it to get to our ends. And what I would say is that trying to grab power will always be bad, will always be evil, uh, especially if you're yeah. trying to follow the way of Jesus, which is starts with God becoming a man, the ultimate giving up of power, and ends with a man giving up his life which is the, the, the most that we can give up as humans. So to turn that upside down and take Christianity and put it in the pursuit of power is a perversion of our faith. And you know, power is one of the original idols. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this tonight is um, I'll get to the, the pledge thing in a minute, but a lot of this stuff that so we talked last last time about some of the Supreme Court decisions and that kind of thing, and that's just basically Christian nationalism in action. Because the the way a lot of the, the things that people are pushing for on from the conservative side of things is bringing Christian values and Christian like specific Christian laws into the public sphere and making them public laws. Like everybody has to follow these laws. Yeah. And they have a very, you know, quote unquote, righteous uh, authority in their minds because God wants them, wants everybody to do these things. So if I make you do these things, I'm doing, doing God's work. And I, it is, I mean, I could go on. <laughs> I'm trying, like holding myself back. So I'm asking you the questions, letting you, letting you go on about it yeah. before I do. Oh, I there could are, go on too. There are so many problems with Christian nationalism and it's just becoming worse and worse and worse. I read a book a couple of years ago. I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast. It's called The Founding Myth. Why Christian Nationalism is Un-American uh, by Andrew Seidel, Seidel, whatever. And it, I even talking to people close to me that I've known forever, I say something else. I mentioned that the United States is not a Christian nation. It was not founded on quote unquote Judeo-Christian values. Like where are we? We always hear it from Fox News and so forth. It was not founded on those values. It was founded by people who came over to this continent from Europe were trying to, in, in part, get away from people who didn't want to let them do their religion like they wanted to. And that was some, it was a version of Christianity, but the, what we have now is it's gone to an entire new level and it's become just something. So I guess the the best word I can think of is just a bastardized version of Christianity where it, it seems like it's become, tell me if if you think I'm going too far with this. It's almost as Christianity is not the concern anymore. It's not, it's not about Christ. It's not about Jesus. It's about the country. It's like making 
the country and and freedom the thing you worship and we, and we've touched on that before as well but yeah it's like there yeah the, it's so disheartening there's definitely we we have seen and i i think it's it was surprising to me when i've seen this exactly what you're describing when you see such an extreme version of christian nationalism because i've seen i've seen little you know little degrees of christian nationalism yeah. my whole my whole life that seem innocent enough and maybe you know maybe led to to more and more outward outward and extreme um displays of it but recently that definitely there are there are people where it's hard to it's hard to find the christian the christian and christian nationalism sometimes yeah and that's that's actually been a a criticism of the left for years by christians is that progressives have replaced christianity with a different kind of religion and politics has become their religion so what people Dad, are, yes yes what unites people what people get passionate about even what emotional experiences they they have um center around progressive politics and there's certainly something to that that you know as you what gets people fired up or what unites people on the left. And I don't think I noticed it happening on the right, but I would say that very similar thing has happened in some circles on the right. And, and that yes. this thing really, I would just call it. Yeah. It's, it's hard to even know. Conservative has lost its meaning <laughs> um, because I, I still feel like I'm a conservative and I know that people who, who uh, the, the word has changed, but, yeah, um, there's certainly a similar religious feeling. Maybe let's call it patriotism with a capital P patriotism trademarked, right? Not love of country, not the healthy love of country that C.S. Lewis would talk about, but just patriotism as a here's what you're going to say. Here's what you're going to love. Here's what you're going to criticize them or here's what you will not criticize. Mm hmm. That has started, I think, for the right to feel that that religious zeal that you feel that songs that bring you to tears or uh, words that that motivate you has become a religion on the right. And it just so happens that it's been useful for politicians to use Christianity on the right to to get more power. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things that that is also dangerous about Christian nationalism. So not just Christianity in pursuit of politics, but po politicians are in pursuit of Christians as well. Yes. Great voting and, base. Yeah. And you, and we know, we know that politicians put this on, that there hasn't been a, a politician willing to admit that they're an atheist running for president, Bernie Sanders aside for, for generations. Yeah. You just can't, even though we know like, yeah, but this person is probably an atheist. Let's, you know, <laughs> Mr. Donald Trump, for example. Um, <laughs> no, but, he's a baby Christian. <laughs> but, you know, numerous examples of, you know, but it's so useful to, uh, to address Christians in a church on a political campaign and to say, God bless America and to pray and go to the national prayer breakfast. And, uh, Man, you get some pretty sleazy, slimy folks who are pretty comfortable with this, and and so Christians are absolutely being 
being tugged. Christians have been used, in my opinion, politicians have used the Supreme Court and abortion mm-hmm. to pull Christians along to all kinds of other agendas. Yeah. Right. And so it's hard for me to know as this thing, it feels like this thing has grown in our society. And until recently, I would have blamed politicians for this. Hmm. Politicians, they're, they're claiming, they're using the Lord's name in vain. They're, they're right. claiming to be maybe more Christian than they are, right. or they're, they're, they use biblical sounding themes in their campaign speeches to, to pull Christians along, you know, and maybe they're not the most moral or Christian folks. But then I heard, I was listening to the January 6th committee mm-hmm. and uh, Mr. Uh, Rusty Bowers of Arizona is a state legislate legislator mm-hmm. uh, was, was talking about maybe, you know, what happened in January 6th and the pressure to uh, give a false uh, set of electorates to, to Washington. And, Man, this guy, he did what his his faith asked asked him to do. He stood up when it when it mattered most. He stood on his morals. And I was like, man, good for this guy. And then he ended his speech. And I don't know if anyone else was listening or if anyone else was taken aback when he said this, because I've never heard this in my little bubble. He ended by saying, you know, this this was against the Constitution. This is not a quote, but it's close to this. And it is a central tenant of my faith yeah that the constitution is divinely inspired by god i was like whoa what you know i was with you i was with you good job rusty and then wait a minute yeah because that means it wasn't a politician who got to him that means it was a preacher that got to him so is (laughs) it politicians or preachers and which came first yeah like there are there actually churches that are that are preaching this yeah, <laughs> there are. And you know, one someone just popping into our podcast for the first time may not realize that this is a podcast about faith journeys and partially deconstructing faith. Why am I, as a person about talking about de- deconstruction, talking about this net Christian nationalism? Well, because it's becoming such a big deal that so many churches are uh, adopting these tenets and so forth. That's a lot of people are leaving churches yeah. the church that i that i left and at least in my perception um it was not a not super political uh, out like obviously I mean, lots of the people in the church are but it was not really a, a from the pulpit thing very often um a couple things here and there not not much though that so it wasn't really a reason that i left that church however it was a thing that kind of kicked off some of my rethinkings because I saw things around me and I saw people in my church who I individuals who I respected so deeply taking on this idea of not only not just Donald Trump in general but taking on this idea of we got to force this down people's throats basically and this that brings me to uh, the piece that I wanted to talk about tonight I and some so some listeners may be aware of this but going around on TikTok and some of the other socials was this video of this folks at a church a huge church 
and they were reciting what they called the Watchman Decree. And I just emailed it to you. So you, you should okay. have it. I got it. All right. PDF. Watchman Decree. And I'll put the link in the show notes as well. And so. Like the Watchman, the, is that a, a, a the comic, comic book? book? <laughs> the Watchman. It's, it's Watchmen, but this is Watchman. Okay. Oh, it's Watchman Decree. Watchman Decree. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to play the audio of this. It's like two minutes long, so don't leave. <laughs> it gets more and more intense and more and more disturbing as you go <laughs> listening to this. So here's the audio of this church. Um, oh, it's calling Flashpoint. It a, yeah, yeah, Flashpoint. Yep. Uh, it's called the Prayer Declaration, and they all said it together. So listen, listen to this. Whereas we, the church, are God's governing body on the earth, whereas we have been given legal power from heaven and now exercise our authority, whereas we... Okay, I, I got to pause for a second. <laughs> legal power from heaven. I, w I was writing. I was writing it down already. <laughs> okay, we'll come back to it. I'll, I'll I'll let it go so you know people can just listen to it. But oh my word, there's so many. <laughs> okay, continue. Our God's ambassadors and spokespeople over the earth, whereas through the power of God we are the world influencers. Whereas, because of our covenant with God, we are equipped and delegated by Him to destroy every attempted advance of the enemy. We make our declarations. We decree that America's executive branch of government will honor God and defend the Constitution. We decree that our legislative branch Congress will write only laws that are righteous and constitutional. We decree that our judicial system will issue rulings that are biblical and constitutional. We declare that we stand against wokeness, the occult, and every evil attempt against our nation. We declare and we now take back our God-given freedoms according to our Constitution. We know this country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. We know the truth, therefore we stand for truth and will never be deceived. We will never stop fighting. We will never, ever, ever give up or give in. We will take our country back we will honor the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. America shall be saved. Woof. <laughs> yeah. Makes me want to like crawl in a corner and <laughs> not ever leave my house. Yeah, it's sometimes I, uh, you know, I've got my my computer and I always have a bunch of uh applications open and then something will some bug will go wrong and then it just eats up memory and it becomes this memory sink and it, <laughs> i can just see there's this little runaway thing that ha has now dragged down the whole computer and i just yeah. have to find it and hit you know terminate or whatever and 
restart my computer and just start over. And I was just like, man, we just need to, we've got some runaway, runaway uh, processes that could use a. You turn, take the country and turn it off and on again. Hard reboot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To unplug it 30 seconds and plug it back in at yeah. least. Yeah. Uh, so Ugh. I heard this the first time well, we were a week and a half or so ago and I just, uh, the, my, my, the, my feelings were a mixture of shock, horror, and totally expected this to happen. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, it's yeah. Good. I think it's, it's more offensive to you and I as insiders, as people who identify closely with Christianity and who, who can, in our minds, I think we, at least theoretically, we separated our national culture and identity from our, what does it mean to be a Christian? And we, even if those overlap for us, sometimes we, we at least understood that those are separate things and they maybe should mm-hmm. be separate things. But I, I would kind of guess that people who maybe didn't grow up in a church or maybe who, I would guess people kind of have assumed we've been talking like this the whole time in churches. Hmm, interesting. You know? Yeah, and it, I think it it offends us more because we know what the standard is, and we can hear when a good idea is perverted. And if that that was a great example that we just listened to when we were like, "Yep, you're right, you're right." Oh, why did you just say constant? What does constitutional have to do with this? Or yeah, you're right. And then oh, you said legal authority, and now I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna govern. I'm gonna use my power. You know, yeah. you just turned the Great Commission into we're in charge of humanity, you know, so that it's like 90% truth and the, the 10% little like half truths, or that came from a little, you know, an external source. Yeah. Those things really, really pervert the meaning behind it. And so I think it hurts us, you know, hurts us uh, Christians or Christ followers or, or uh, Christian adjacent people pretty deeply to, to see that happening. Yeah, and when I was looking around trying to find the source of this, which is a little bit harder to find than I expected, because so many articles have been written about this, and they tend to sound like um, what's one I found. Uh, the the headline is "The Watchman Decree is a scary vision of Christian nationalism in action." Yeah, and yeah, they're right. So back in the day, when uh, the moral majority started taking hold in the 80s. Uh, you know, me and my family are all for it. Like, let's be moral, you know? Let's do that thing. Let's be good. But I also heard a lot of phrases, you cannot legislate morality, things like that. But now, I mean, the, the, the vibe that I got anyway was, let's change the nation by changing the people around us, right? Let's make them, like, let's convert them to Christianity, and then we'll, everything will be better. But this is like taking the bull by the horns and just going straight at it. And, and that's the reason this kind of thing concerns me. And, and another reason that concerns me is people on the right now are, this is not a fringe idea anymore. I think it, I think it used to be the, like this, this intense version of Christian nationalism, I should say. Uh, I was reading an, uh, an article the, and there's a, Samuel Perry is a professor in OE at OU in Norman, Oklahoma. 
and he said that uh, Christian in this case is in in the Christian nationalism is not actually about Christianity. It's a code word for American-born white evangelical conservative. Yeah, but it's it, the trick is, but those the people who that hold to that w- wouldn't say that. That it's just that if you if you wrote down what what their beliefs are, what they're actually trying to accomplish. Oh, sure. Right. That that's that's like well, wait a minute. That's that's not this. That is. It's kind of like Reagan. Um, fetishism and that that feeling of what we kind of imagine it was like to be in World War II and be the moral but also war powerful authorities of the planet the good guys not the bad guys Um, well and the concerning thing is he he was saying that that it used to be kind of a fringe thing and now all the polls and everything they're doing is it's becoming less and less and less of a fringe thing yeah. And I'm not, I'm really not one who's like, like a like reactive and, you know, scary, scare tactic type of guy. But as a Christian, this really concerns me, this stuff, like the things that they're saying, it's like, like the phrase you hear all the time now is they're, they're saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah. Because these are the kinds of things you used to understand that you don't say because <laughs> Uh, it's like the legal power from heaven. They're going to destroy every attempted advance of the enemy. I mean, there's some violent words and wording in here. Like, well, I never stop fighting. Never, never, ever give up or give in. We'll take our country back. I grew up singing. I may never march in the infantry, right in the cavalry, yeah. shoot the ar- artillery. Oh yeah. But I'm in the Lord's army and I grew up singing the battle hymn Republic. Sure. And what stand you Christian soldier? That's not quite uh-huh. it. What is it? Arise. So the mm-hmm. the the language of you know fight warfare uh, enemies to overcome is as old as Jacob and Caleb and Moses. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and certainly the the way that it's almost like if you took Christianity and, the, and those words and you strained all of the meat out of Christianity, meat versus milk, mm-hmm. and you just gave the microphone to milk Christians and said, fight, 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 you kind of would maybe get this, um, the watchman decree. You would, you would get some of these really crude and clumsy right-wing politicians who are using kind of quasi-religious statements and using them for their political ends. Yeah. And one thing I wonder is like, where, where was the failure of like, who, who didn't do their job here? (laughs) Um, Are there preachers who are just kind of scared and they realized if they, they speak out against this, you know, it's not, I bet a lot of churches, it's not like it's 80% of their church. It's 20% of their church. Maybe it's 5% of their church is kind of following along these things, but you don't really have to address it. You know, you can kind of work around it. You can put up with the independence day prayer or two and it's, you know, it's, it's fine. You're not, you're not going to fight it because these people who with their milk faith have interpreted these words in a very literal and political way fight back for real you know there it's like mm-hmm. oh are you an 
it's Frank Peretti. Are you, are the demons influencing you to destroy me, you know, or are you on God's side with me? And if you speak out against me, you must be on the, you know, the pad. So are, is it preachers who are being cowards? Is it, is it, you know, did we just not have what we needed to stand up to politicians who are greedy and um, just, you know, used us for power. And we kind of eventually just took the bait and, I think it's kind of all of the above. I mean, I think this kind of thing doesn't happen. It doesn't happen quickly, and it doesn't. I think there's just so many ways in. And I think that the folks who did the moral majority stuff has kind of started this ball rolling a little bit. But the reason, one of the reasons this concerns me is because, for one, I mean, first off, it offends me as a yeah. Christian who's trying to show love and I, people see this and they think that's me. Uh, Another thing that bugs me about it is I know that sure, this is, this is one church. It's a large church. It's like, it's not every church in the nation, but this is the kind of thing that takes hold enough that I feel like this is something that churches should say something about. I mean, they don't have to bring up the watchman decree, but one of the things that did frustrate me at our church where we, the way left is that this kind of, that when Christian nationalism did pop up at church, nothing was said about it, nothing. And that's, that's like, yeah, the, it's an opinion about what, what, what do you have to say something or not? The, I don't know the answer to this. I I feel the same frustration. And on the one hand that, you know, what we just heard is a little bit of a straw man in that it's, it's just obviously, you know, the right. problems are, are out there, you know, <laughs> looking it's at like, you in the eye. It's the extreme for sure. It's, it's the extreme. And it's, I would say it's almost, it's almost the, the dangerous thing about it is that th- those extremes that like, it's, it's actually not those Christian nationalists that are the problem. Uh, it's the ones who vote for those people, right? Yes. Uh, because they, it, it'd be better than voting for a Democrat or something. So the, it's the, <laughs> the soft middle that is just here and there, just a mention of our country or our military or our president or the, the flag or the Pledge of Allegiance or th- these little things that are good because patriotism is a good thing, um, but that soak in and and become hard to distinguish from the rest of what your Christian culture is, because as Christians, we're not supposed to be Americans. We're not supposed to be American Christians. We're, we're this completely different thing with this yeah. very different allegiance with, you know, like, yeah, who cares what happens to this empire we're in? It'd be nice if, you know, it's comfortable and we have, we're wealthy and that kind of thing. But, but my, my geography as a Christian has nothing to do with, 1776 or the founders or the constitution or our military or our president or our politics, nothing that my, I am equal amounts, a brother of the Honduran and the Chinese and the Australian person as I am someone here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the questions, and it's a very difficult question is like, what is the antidote to allowed bad Christian? Because 
Christianity, you know, the Christianity I want to follow is pretty quiet. <laughs> it's, you know, like yeah. it's, and so if you have a hundred quiet, good Christians and they're distinguishing really well between what is political and power and war and what is Christ, you know, and their, their only expression of Christianity doesn't happen when they vote. Um, they're, their identity is in Christ, not in a weapon or not in a policy choice they support or don't support. But you give one bad Christian, it's the bad Christians who have, who hold megaphones and you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So it's, it's this, it's this question. It's like, what, what you want to do is counter it publicly, but I'm not sure I really want like loud, good Christian. Like, I think the loud part is the problem more than like the people who have pulpits that reach millions of people or the people who have these platforms are not the people that are are doing the thing that I'm trying to do. Then if, if we're not supposed to be, if we're not going to be loud about it, how, how the heck do we stop this stuff, man? I mean, I'm not saying loud, being loud about it is, is the solution. Um, I mean, I think you're hundred percent correct about not voting these people in. Yeah. You know, but like we, we get to deal with not quite directly here in Colorado, but we like Lauren Bobert. She's kind of along this and she's a kook, but, but we she gets a lot of press. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of people have voted for her. And then uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, same thing. Yeah. Um, she's a kook, but she's, she's, Cameras are on her all the time because she's going to say something stupid. And, but the, the thing is, the thing is that the last four, less, sorry, last six years, ha, if nothing else, they have shown me that you can say the craziest thing in the world and hundreds of thousands of people will think that's a good idea. Like, and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene just today said, that she thinks that the Republican Party should change itself to the Christian Nationalist Party. And like, call it that. <laughs> she, yeah. and she had this whole thing about how it, how it was important that we, that Christian Nationalism was a good thing, it's not a bad term, and on and on and on. But um, once again, she's the, the edge case. But I think the value of seeing, it is a bit of a strum, and you're right, but I think the value of looking at some stuff like this is seeing the direction that it, it could be going because yeah. to take, take the two extremes, it's going to fall somewhere in the middle. Right. But that's something I, I would have like some of the stuff that um, Trump is getting away with and that he's doing and saying and has said and done are things that I never dreamed good Christian people, even my family would like, they, they just look the other way. And I'm just just concerned for my kids, you know, that they're that we're going to get into a a situation where this is becoming a, a legitimate problem. Other than just like that, in, that Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's being stupid again, you know. No, yeah, I, I mean, it, I feel like <laughs> if you it's how concerned I, am I about religious zealots, you know, taking taking over the country or something. Um, I would have been at zero my whole life. Yeah. 
including the Sharia law scare of the right. 2000s, you know, like z- still zero. And certainly that now, you know, my, my concern is that, that it seems like a, a very real possibility or even a, a direction we're going because it's such a great way to motivate people. I think we've found oh, out yeah. is, man, these people, it's one thing to be motivated po- politically. And you can see that again on the progressive left, very, very highly motivated people behind their cause. Yep. But you really can go a notch above that if you, if it's like this is eternal, our lives don't matter, other people's lives don't matter. It's about the the uh, what's going on in the afterlife, or you know, our, yeah. God is on our side. Uh, really, you can you can really motivate people, and the people who seem to be finding that out, the charlatans who are taking advantage of those people, um, are seeing these examples of how it's done. And I, I don't think we can, that's the thing, like what, what to do about it. I don't think, I don't, I do not have the thing to stop this. You know, if, <laughs> if I could get, you know, if I could call every rural County preacher and say like this Sunday, we're just going to put it to an end. We could do it. That's the frustrating thing is like, the, <laughs> um, or maybe we couldn't because at this point the, the uh, tail is, is maybe wagging, wagging the dog a little bit, but you know, maybe Simon the Zealot, you know, mm. Jesus's disciple, was one of these. Mm. Like, you know, the what should happen is that we attack Rome. Like, Rome is obviously Rome was evil. Like all, all yeah. the way through the, the society, the rulers, their their morals, their values was was evil. Yeah, and so it makes logical sense that you know, that as Christians, we sh- we should be against evil. So. Uh, Rome invaded these countries and took over and had these powers. So we should counter invade and counter get our politicians in power and counter get our wealthy people to do this. But the thing about Christianity is power and wealth are, are the opposite of Christianity. So yeah, the people who are in power are not Christians. The people who have wealth are not Christians they have, they have worshiped and bowed down to and been blessed by a different God the God of money, the God of sex, the God of war. Yeah. And so we, you know, elevate Elon Musk or (laughs) Donald Trump or, or whoever, you know, Ted Cruz, these, these people who have, uh, have sold their souls to a a different, um, a different thing. And Jesus's answer was that he gave up his power and he washed that guy's feet, Simon, the zealot, and he, when Simon was angry about, you know, that he wasn't storming the Capitol, um, Jesus explained, <laughs> that's not what I'm here to do. You know, I'm, I'm, I know I'm saying kingdom a lot. I know I'm saying politics p- president a lot, but it's not what you think. Um, it's a very surprisingly upside down kingdom. And so, uh, us quiet Christians, I think th- here's, here's maybe one challenge and i this is this is a question that i don't have the answer to but is there room in the tent that i'm imagining that i'm under for christians who are all the way subscribed to this way of thinking right now so in mm. my lgbtq plus does the plus leave room for them or in my <laughs> uh universalism that i believe in or in my um in my if I look backwards at 2000, 
and you know one nathan who's blasting toby keith from from my gas guzzling car you know with with a uh, george w bush sticker on the back <laughs> um is he allowed in to this thing that i'm doing and if so and i don't know you know i don't know if i should be if i should just buy a bullhorn also and bully <laughs> directly back with facts but i, I kind of suspect that's not going to work and i, I suspect nah. that's not necessarily the jesus way so <laughs> what would it is there a way to welcome those people in in a sacrificial way that this is all something that i'm not capable of doing in real life it's just a you know like thought, thought exercise but like are they allowed in to my thing and would that ever influence them in a more jesus and a less rome direction i don't know hmm. i'm less influential than fox news i'm less intellectual you know i i don't know if well, I've... they just haven't met you yet <laughs> yeah but that that's uh, that's one problem that i struggle with is i have a ton of knowledge and mm-hmm. i'm passionate about that i i grew up with with politics and religion you know like i i'm a you know in coursing the, through your veins coursing through my veins if i was playing world of warcraft i would i don't know what their levels are like level 100 <laughs> i don't know if that's high or low <laughs> maximum level christian maximum level poli- you know politician right um i wanted to i went to oklahoma christian to study political science right and so if you dropped me in that church that, that we just heard or even or the you know my former church or just you know pick an average rural church. I have, I have the authority from my background. I have the facts. I even speak the language that I could convince these people. But what I'm missing is that I'm on the wrong side. And so I, I lose a hundred percent of my authority. Like as soon as I start addressing any of these things, even if I'm a sincere Christ follower, even if I am a Patriot, you know, even if I understand the constitution and our history, as soon as I, as they realize that I'm on the other side, I'm, I'm the, immediately the enemy and, and it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what my opinion is on politics and it doesn't matter that it's correct. And so that, that's the divide that I don't know how to, how to bridge is I, I have, it's like, if I was a Marxist, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's like whatever opinion I had on anything else is thrown out the window because we know that opinion, Marxism is bad, shutting my ears, la, 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 la. I'm not going to listen to you because you're right. like, clearly you're, you're on the demon side. And that, you know, that I have people in my life who I would love to sit down and talk about. And I understand the feelings that so many of these Christians have, but I, I, I just know that I don't have the, I'm not the person who can do that, you know? Yeah, and I, I, I mean, the, the, the negative side of me wonders, is there anything that can be done? And do we cut bait and move on? Dust the, you know, the, the dirt off our sandals? But what does that look like? I mean, the, uh, Brian McLaren's book, uh, Do I Stay Christian? One of the, he talks about this very problem as one of the reasons you should not stay a Christian. Right. I'm like, and I've heard people say that things are are so bad that we should just start over. Just 
scrap the whole church. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. very broad statement. Scrap the churches, start from you know scorched earth, and do it the right way, which of course wouldn't work uh, for many many reasons, but it would just rebuild itself the same way. And so then you start getting into um, back to the deconstruction thought process. Like, okay, so if if Christianity in America is so broken, um, I mean, obviously there's pockets that are not, but when 80% vote for Trump twice, the majority is kind of broken in my opinion. So if the, if the majority of the church is broken in this way, do we move on and say, I'm not part of that anymore? Or do we, should we be more public and blatant about not accepting this kind of stuff? Do we just let it go? Like the parable of the weeds, you know, uh, was it Matthew 13 about like the good and the, the bad, weed, and let the it, weeds yeah. that grow up is like, and the, the, Jesus like, just let it grow and we'll sort it out when, when the, the harvest comes. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head with it in that this is important to like people's real lives because mm-hmm. this, one reason for the the people who are deconstructing, there's not a wave of deconstruction, but there's a percentage of people who all are deconstructing at the same time for right. these exact reasons. And they all tend to be minorities in their churches, right? So they're they're feeling alone or they're um they're just struggling with this. And yeah. this, you know, uh, public support for Trump absolutely fed that. Um, church's response to COVID and Christian's response to COVID absolutely fed that feeling that people had. And so this is a very real thing that people have a right to be frustrated about. And it's like really is happening. So the Christians who are noticing it are maybe a minority and the the Christians that it's, it's bothering are probably a minority, but for those people like this, I totally understand that it's bothering me too. Um, and it's important, like it's, these are critical things. They're not small, small um, details, but the parable that you mentioned, the idea there is that it's not us. Like we are not the ones who are going to fix it. Mm. Um, even though we want, like, we want to be Peter who picks up the sword and slices off the guy's ear. We want to be the hero who takes action and saves the day. And I think one thing God tries to teach us is like, it's, that's not what's going to happen. And it's not you that's going to save the day anyways. And so if you believe in God, and then if you believe that God it cares about the church, the global church and is, and, and that his spirit moves through the church, then it, in some ways it takes it takes the pressure off because it's not, it's not my, it's not Nathan's job or Steve's job to fix American Christianity. If American Christianity is going to be fixed, then, you know, it's going to be hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of us who are all called to, to do something or even to, to not do the thing that everyone else is doing. There's a little bit of the quiet Christian maybe does win in the end, and maybe that some of those quiet things are are not as quiet when people see you living them. But it makes me think of a Christian nationalist's favorite book of the Bible, Daniel. 
because Daniel is all about taking, you know, much of Daniel involves taking power in the moment, right? Daniel rose to, to power yep. in, in Babylon and influenced uh, an, emp- an evil empire for good, right? And a lot of, a lot of Christians who are maybe self-described Christian nationalists, Mike Pence, uses, uses Daniel as a, as a model for their faith. Um, and it helps me to know that in some of those stories, we hear things like we hear about Daniel and he, you know, he, even though it was illegal to pray, he still prayed. That's great. Yeah. And one of my favorite stories from that, that I think we sometimes miss one of the points is when the ruler invites everybody to come bow down to an idol he has built. And he, he says when, you know, when the trumpets blow or whatever, everybody has to bow down and worship this thing. And uh, three people refuse to bow down. And it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're right. th- thrown into a furnace, fiery furnace and they're rescued miraculously. And one thing that is encouraging to me in that is the ratio of people who do the right thing to people who don't do the right thing. Daniel is not included. So Daniel's like bound with the rest of them, I, I, I have to assume. Yeah. You know, so he's not Jesus. He's maybe not the ultimate model. And how frustrating would it be? Everybody imagines themselves to be the three people who do the right thing. The Christian nationalists think that they're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So do the quiet anti-Christian nationalists. We all think that we're those three, like standing against the, the power and doing the uncomfortable right thing. Um, but we're usually probably not. And what's comfor- comforting to me is how, how many people who were good people, who were faithful Israelites, did not do the right thing in that situation. And it would have been frustrated to be those three. I, I would be an angry person after that if I was one of the three. I, I would have wanted to see a much broader show of support. You know, yeah. but, um, I don't think that we always get that, um, get to see that. So it's, there's no easy answer. So you're telling me, uh, yeah, that, <clears throat> this is not why I got on the, on the horn with you, dude. I want, I want easy answers. <laughs> the thing I, I, I could strike down the, the thinking line by line so well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could go head to head, put me against anybody and I will win that debate. And I just know it doesn't, that doesn't matter. You know, like nobody's listening. I'm not. Right. And I wonder you know, I think a lot of the people who I know personally who would support this kind of a thing in general, you sit down with them one by one and go by point by point, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I agree with you. But then you get it all together, and it's like it's part of the group or the the movement, and it, it just kind of sucks you in. Yeah. Fun fact. You know how the, there's like these Ten Commandments – uh, monuments, monoliths, whatever, all over the country, courthouses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Found out where most of those came from. Okay. Tell me. From, they were promotional stunts by the company who put out the 10 commandments movie in 1956 with Charlton Heston. No way. As many as 4,000 10 commandments monoliths were erected in public spaces across the country for the dual purpose of promoting the epic and instructing the citizenry in behavior to accept, acceptable to God. So Cecil B. DeMille, uh, the filmmaker, paired up with a bunch of like uh, churches and, and religious groups around the country 
And there are like these Ten, Ten Commandments are all over the place because of a movie. That's funny. And <laughs> see, this is the kind of thing that I don't think it's in that book that I've mentioned earlier, but this is the kind of thing that people are like, oh, it's always been that way. Well, has it? <laughs> has it yeah, that. I, I think I'm it's now out in the public that I'm not really a believer in like average Joe democracy. So, you yeah. know, like I don't think, <laughs> you know, I I love the poll that the percentage of people who think that chocolate milk comes from mountain cows. I personally, <laughs> I would have, you know, I, I discredit that poll a little bit because if that was an answer on a poll, I would have said yes, you know, brown cows. Just for fun. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I don't know if that's, that might just be a, a bad question, but if you could pull people like are the 10 commandments in the constitution or um, right. what are the 10 commandments or what is the, did you know, you know, are the 10 commandments the same thing as the original you know, bill of rights, the, the first 10 amendments? I think we would have a discouraging amount of people answer crazy things to, you know, to those things. And yeah, the, the, the hard thing that, that hurts my soul is that, you can't fight disinformation with information and it no i want to be like oh here's here's the fact and like the facts people are uh, as my my brother said impervious to facts you know yeah i'm fact proof and it's the, the history and the facts just don't matter in these but what does matter and so what we what i can take away is the broth that you're stewed in as you grow up changes your flavor and hopefully you change its flavor a little bit too, but it, it influences you more than you think, including what are your top priorities or what do you think is good or bad? Or, and I think as it's just important to, to ask yourself, is this my, is this just like my surroundings or the group I'm in or the tribe I I identify with or like, when do I need to swim against that? And the answer is sometimes to every tribe and every culture and every group. The answer is sometimes that group is going to be going the wrong direction. And it's going to be hard to know that because you're in it with everybody. Yep. But it's, yeah, it's getting worse. Everything always does. <laughs> All change is bad. <laughs> and every, everything is always worse. Uh, ever, ever the beacon of hope. It is getting I assume the pastors who, who would speak out of this have like retired, you know, uh, and are, you yeah. know, just waiting that one out or they're just, you know, I'm just going to stick to like, let's just do a study of, of numbers or something just to like not have to talk about this. Um, yeah. and I don't think, <laughs> is God going to call up courageous pastors? Maybe. I don't think so though. Is God going to call people to quietly live out their faith, whatever they call it, whoever they're meeting with. Yes. And I, I do believe so. And will those people find ways to love their neighbors who are not so? Yeah, probably. And uh, will any of them be elected to public office? No, I don't think so. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. If once somebody believes that the constitution was inspired by God, and holds the same value and level of as scripture does. I don't know. There's a whole lot I can say to you. Yeah. we're like, well, I, you know, I'm questioning the, the divine inspiration of scripture. So you're, you know, <laughs> you're like a hundred degrees uh, past where I can, you know, you can only influence on the margins, like, right. And you can't fix crazy. You can't fix stupid, but 
paying attention to what's influencing you and like what what things do I believe just because my society or my group or whatever taught me they're good or bad. But then, you know, there are the people that are adjacent or, you know, they're a globalist Christian um, curious or they're, they're <laughs> Christian nationalist skeptical. Like mm-hmm. those people, yeah, I can, I think I can have a conversation with them. And again, I understand that point of view because of that I've lived it, you know? Yeah, I can, I can uh, sympathize, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just need to vent and complain a little bit about this. But I mean, it's a, I, I agree. I don't know if there's a lot we can do other than try to not let these kind of people get in power anymore. And yeah, I would. One th- message I would send is for the folks who are wondering, like, well, how. What really is wrong with a with a little bit of this? Like, what? Why can't we be a nation founded on Christian yeah. principles, or or why can't we return to that? Isn't that isn't that what Israel is constantly called to do? And I would say those are great questions. Like, keep asking. Well, what's so bad about that? And look at the fruit of the people who have gotten what they wanted. You know, or send us your questions or you know concerns or uh, disagreements or whatever. But I would say they're it absolutely is something to be skeptical of when you can't criticize your country in your church. The church was never supposed to be in power and the, the church is not supposed to be using the world's way to achieve power. Yeah. We're, we're supposed to do the opposite. Well, let's do that. Nathan. Yeah. I've <laughs> started, my, started a revolution. I'm not following my advice. I've just been praying for the a hasty end to our, our nation. Is that right? <laughs> just like get it over, like rip the bandit off God, yeah. you know, like America doesn't have to be around forever. <laughs> you have to remember, we're not always the main character, you know, like right. in the Bible, it's like, we're not always Israel. We might be like, oh, and then there was this group that this got out of hand and God said, you know what? It's, it's, it's about time for those folks to, to be removed. Like that's probably us. Are we like the Amalekites of, that's what I'm saying is like, <laughs> yeah, we are, we are Ninevites or what, whatever. And like, you know, Lord come quickly doesn't always mean good things will happen to your country. That's so, you know, um, Uh, that's, that's the, the danger is like, sometimes you might get what, you know, what you want. And I'm not so sure that the wealthiest and most militaristic, powerful country on the planet may not be exactly the, low and meek and uh, mm-hmm. downtrodden that God tends to care about. So, you know, like maybe let's just uh, lay low for a little bit. And uh, our Jesus is, is like stacked ripped. It's like, Oh yeah. Ripped Schwarzenegger Jesus. Yes. That's our Jesus for sure. Yeah. yeah. Conan, the barbarian Jesus. <laughs> Conan Christ. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. By lightning it's, now. Yeah, it's, but it's like, that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's the Jesus we're worshiping when we worship power. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. But it's all going to be okay. So I'm good. So I'm telling myself. Yeah. So you can join team, team Steve trying to figure out like, what's the right response or team Nathan with imprecatory prayers against our, our democracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I think the odds are better for my, like my side, you know? Um, yeah. I think you're right. 
hopefully not. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that's not where we go. Well, sorry to be all a bummer tonight and everything. <laughs> we can we can pick a we can pick a light one for next time, maybe. If yeah, but the just the world keeps throwing us dark, dark, heavy things. Yeah, so. yeah it does, it does. I guess we'll see what this week uh, this week gives us. We go from there. I, I like your currently positive attitude. Good. Yeah. All right, well, uh... All right, yep. Talk to you later. Thanks, bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you got something out of the episode today. Check the show notes in your podcast app for all the links and references that were made, or you can find it all at followingthefire.com. If you'd like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash followingthefire to become a patron. And of course, we'd love it if you rate the podcast and share it with others. See you later. And I'll give you all my heart. Don't you know it's all I have? Even on my heart. Can't compare with what you're worth. Almost all my life, but you, you always chase me down. <laughs>